Hey guys, the next sponsor is Ledger and Ledger is running a 40% off Black Friday week sale. So if you haven't gotten your Ledger yet, you are in luck. For the week of the 23rd through the 30th, you can get 40% off of all Ledgers on the Ledger website. So if you are still using a hot wallet or you're just looking to get a backup, maybe for a multi-sig or just for some more redundancy, now is the time to go get that ledger. There's a link in the show notes that can get you that 40% off Black Friday deal. If you want to live a bankless life, you need to get a hardware wallet. There is no alternative for storing your crypto in a self-sovereign fashion. That's why I have four ledgers that I use to manage my different crypto assets using the Ledger Live account as well. Ledger Live is like your home base for managing your Ethereum, DeFi, and crypto accounts. It does a really good job of aggregating all of your different Ethereum wallets if you are the type of person that uses more than one. But you can also add other cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or Cosmos or whatever your preferred blockchain is. And then it will display an aggregate portfolio of all your accounts at the main page. One thing that Ledger is doing a really good job of is enabling all the money verbs that me and Ryan talk about with the Bankless Skill Cube enabled in the Ledger Live app. So right now in the Ledger Live app, you can buy, sell, lend, swap, and stake your crypto assets, which is doing a really good job of fulfilling all of the money verbs in the Bankless Skill Cube. Something that's new to Ledger Live is Ledger Swap, where you can swap assets one for another directly inside the Ledger Live application, ensuring trustlessness in your financial activity on Ethereum and on Bitcoin. If you want to learn more about what you can do with a Ledger, go to the blog post, The Power of Ledger Live on the Ledger website where they share some of the more advanced things that you can do with your ledger that you might not have known about. There's a link in the show notes that will take you to the ledger shop where you can get your preferred ledger hardware wallets. I personally like the Ledger Nano X, but I also have both. They're both great options. When you own a ledger, you own your own assets in the way that they have been designed to be held by the user and the user alone. So go get your ledger today to make sure that you are as self-sovereign as possible. The Bankless State of the Nations are brought to you by Wiren. Wiren is DeFi's first self-building community-run project, which I just get really, really excited about. Wiren is a system that seeks out yield in DeFi, and it does that in a number of different ways. Well, a very aggressive way is with the vaults, where you can deposit your preferred asset of choice, and different DeFi experts will come in and generate a strategy for what to do with your deposited token, right? And so it'll go find ways to get yield in that deposited token in DeFi. For those who want to just earn yield on their stablecoins, the earn system is for you, where you can deposit your preferred stablecoin and Wiren will go and figure out which money market on DeFi and DeFi is producing the best interest rate, whether it's DYDX, it's Compound or Aave. It, it looks around DeFi to see where the yield is coming from and it directs stablecoins automatically so you don't have to. Check them out at yearn.finance to get started and also check out the stats page to see what other people are doing as well. Bankless Nation, happy Thursday morning. We're coming at you a day early because it is Thanksgiving edition of our weekly roll-up. Happy Thanksgiving, David. How are you doing, man? It's a turkey roll-up this week. <laughs> Glad you guys are here. Hope you guys are having a fantastic Thanksgiving, and we are ready to get this roll-up underway. Going to go through five topics, get it injected right into your brain. First, we're talking about the markets. What are the markets saying? Five minutes for that. Then we're going to go into releases. What got released That's this last week? Five minutes for that. 
what's in the news five minutes for that. And then we go into what's on your mind and what are you excited about five minutes each. Ryan, are you ready to roll up this week? I am super ready. Guys, grab a drumstick, grab your morning coffee. <laughs> it's time to roll up. As a reminder, this usually comes at you on Fridays on mm-hmm. YouTube. You can catch it live with the visuals. You also get on the podcast. We're doing it Thursday, special today. And I am ready. Let's get started, David, with the market. What is the market telling us this week, my friend? Let's, let's open these Bitcoin charts and see what's going on here. Bitcoin is at $18,800. It's been poking around 19,000, the low 19,000s, the high 18,000s, really flirting with all-time highs. So that's just an absolutely exciting thing to see with Bitcoin. Ether is at $580. It got up to $620 earlier. So both of these assets are really into uncharted territories with regards to their previous uh, levels. Yeah, it's been a long time coming for ETH. Last week when we were talking, Bitcoin had that big run up. And now this week, from from then till now, it was ETH's turn. Let's talk about Bitcoin on Ethereum because that continues to run up as well. Although it might be down a little bit from uh, previous week. It's up in terms of total value probably, but down a little bit in terms of Bitcoin. Yeah, it's uh, we last week it was one hundred fifty one thousand nine hundred, and it's one hundred fifty one thousand eight hundred. I do think that it's interesting to see that that number go down. I never really, I always kind of thought that it would be easier for that number to go up, but going down by a hundred is kind of inconsequential. If you look at the chart, it's still just perpetually up and to the right, pretty much flat from week to week. Okay, let's talk a little bit about some mainstream coverage of Bitcoin. It's starting to get attention, and this will rapidly increase, especially as we exceed all-time high, which we assume is just a matter of weeks at this point in time. This is the Wall Street Journal. Uh, Price of one Bitcoin made the front page of the Wall Street Journal. They have a nice little price chart here. You know, it's like they're they're getting the, the mass media FOMO engines running, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about the perspective of somebody who was paying attention to Bitcoin back in 2017, they saw a $20,000 price tag. And for people that aren't in the Bitcoin world that compare that $20,000 price tag to that $10,000 price tag that was just present in Bitcoin roughly four to five weeks ago, 10,000 looks really just like inconsequential. It's like Bitcoin's never coming back to life. It's not ever coming back to 20,000. And then all of a sudden, there's four or five weeks later, it's back at 20,000, right? And so this is, this is where people are, realize that, you, wow, once again, Bitcoin is not dead and it's past all-time highs. So this is when we start accumulating new people who are interested in Bitcoin. And for those of you who tune in and listen to people like Jim Craner, Kramer on uh, CNBC, he tweeted this out. It is not too late for Bitcoin. Great alternative to gold, which I've always believed in. <laughs> oh, yes. Jim Craner always. has always been a always. huge crypto believer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think this is an example of, of one of those individuals in mass media who is just like obviously sees the trend a little mm-hmm. bit before it happened. Definitely not in the bear market, but a little bit before it happened. He's sort of mm-hmm. planting that seed out there. But he's somebody that, that financial folks listen to from time mm-hmm. to time. Yeah, I mean, he's very entertaining and he's the intersection of finance and entertainment. And so like, you know, just another way for Bitcoin to have exposure to eyes that don't usually see Bitcoin. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said earlier, the big story is ETH this week, jumping from, wow, the, the, the 400s all the way to 620, I believe it hit, yeah. something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And now it's, as we're recording this, around 580 you know, does the, the, the staking contract have anything to do with that, David? We're, we're about to uh, talk to Vitalik in just a little bit, but the big news is 
we are going to launch ETH2 because mm -hmm. enough ETH was deposited in the ETH2 staking contract to make that happen on December 1st. Does that have anything to do with price? You know, if, if you ask me what is the most bullish scenario to come out of the ETH2, it would have been exactly what happened, right? We <laughs> blew the limit out of the water. We got there at the earliest possible day, which is December 1st. And then in addition to that 525,000 minimum that we needed, we got 200,000 more Ether than what we needed. However, I don't think it was impactful on the price. I don't think that people's trading Ether and making the price discovery happen actually are paying attention that much to Ethereum 2.0. So maybe there was like a little bit of, of price action, but not something that you could extrapolate from, the, from the, the price run from 470 to 620. I think that was gonna happen regardless. And I think that that it was just, it was Ether's, Ether's valuable, value, that valuable. That's a fair valuation for Ether. And, and so I, don't, I actually think that this was not reflective in the price. Definitely a big moment for the Ethereans who've been watching this the entire time though. Uh, DeFi, mm -hmm. the DeFi numbers total locked value is about flat this week, but we're, we're approaching that 15 billion number of uh, total value locked. It seems astounding to say 15 billion, but that's, that's what we're looking at. Pretty crazy here. Mm -hmm. We also have the uh, DeFi Pulse Index, which is an index of DeFi tokens. That's gone up a little bit this week mm -hmm. from 104 to 108. So it's kind of hanging there. Really, the story has been ETH's big run over the past week. And let's pull up this, this tweet from, from Spencer Noon, our friend, who talks about eight signs that we've entered an ETH bull market. We should go through these super quick, David. But, but what are the eight signs that Spencer's pointing out that we've entered a new ETH bull market here? Yeah, the first one is the number of daily active addresses. Uh, is, this is a pretty safe metric to see the trend for unique people that are using Ethereum. The trend is up and to the right. We're flirting with all-time highs of 500,000 uh, daily active addresses. Uh, so that, that's, that's a really big number. Um, and so that, that's up and to the right. You want to take number two, Ryan? Bank accounts. Absolutely. That's what those are. Every ETH address is a bank account. Ethereum is also dwarfing everything else in terms of average fees paid. This was not the case in 2017. No. It's distinct. It's different. Yep. It's At that point in time, Bitcoin was dominating, but Ethereum block space is now the MVP, the most valuable block space. And it's looking pretty good from a productive asset perspective when you think of Ether as an internet bond as well. Mm -hmm. Why don't you take number three? Yeah. Number three, the gas being used on a daily basis. So 8 billion gas is now being used. What that means is that the network is being used at its maximum capacity. Gas being used on a daily basis or a time unit basis is just a measure of how uh, under load Ethereum is. The more gas being spent, the more transactions and more uh, you know, complex uh, transactions that Ethereum is doing. Is that an all-time high? No, we've got to the 16, right. number four, we've got uh, 16 billion in stable coins issued on Ethereum. I, I don't think we have to go into mm -hmm. that in detail. It's been a theme on Bankless. It's been parabolic since the beginning of the year. So that is huge. All those crypto dollars are on Ethereum. Why don't you take five? Yeah, according to Dune Analytics, we are basically at 1 million total DeFi users, which is up 10x from the start of this year. And we're just getting started. David, I like to compare these two uh, cities. Now we are a, a major American metropolis. We've mm -hmm. gone from like a, a few city size of, yep. you know, 100,000. And now we're in the, the major metropolis area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely huge growth there. Okay, number six, I'm trying to load it here. Okay, there's now 14 billion total locked in DeFi. We already yep. talked about that. Number seven, 
all of the Bitcoin on Ethereum. There's 150K now. We report on that mm-hmm. on a weekly basis. Why don't you take this last one, number eight? Yeah, DEXs. DEXs have done over $20 billion in volume over the last 30 days, meaning that the the entirety of this entire year, we've seen 86 billion in this this last year and 20 billion of that is over the last 30 days. Uh, So DEXs are in and they're going to be really hot, especially in a bull market where people like to trade and speculate. Guys, that is the market. Let's talk releases. What got released last week? Can you explain this one to me, David? I know you've got a fantastic video with Andre from Wire and YFI about it, but what is the TLDR on Dariswap, this new project that he's working on? Yeah, if you want to learn more about this, check out the Bankless YouTube. I did a, a quick interview with Andre to get down into the details about what this is. Andre is obsessed with making things capital efficient on Ethereum. And one thing that he is definitely not doing is staying within the confines of traditional finance <laughs> tools and instruments. And he's trying to take like three or four different instruments and see if he can slap them all together into one single contract. And so Dariswap is uh, a swaps like Uniswap. It's loans like uh, Compound and Aave. It's options like, like Deribit, which doesn't really actually have a DeFi correlate at the moment. That's something that's lacking in the DeFi world. And, and, um, and then also futures, which is the same thing as options, but just with a time delay on it. And so Andrew has the thing that he calls Dariswap that is just all these things all at once. So when that gets uh, you know, put, slapped up onto a website with the front end, I'm really excited to tinker around with that. Is this all going in the wiring ecosystem? Is this all part of YFI? Somebody asked me how to get uh, exposure to Andre's brilliance around a Dariswap. <laughs> how do they get that exposure? Yeah, so there's no token. So it's not, uh, to my knowledge, or maybe there, I don't think there needs to be ever. And so it's not something that's investable. As an application, it is something that YFI could tap into and utilize. Because what Andre, after Andre, you know, was done working on, on wire, not that he's done, but he's building out like uh, hubs, uh, uh, spokes away from Wi-Fi that make urine more useful, right? And so this is a place that makes wiren more useful. Wiren can find yield here. Last question, because I think this is big. ETA, when's that shipping, David? Uh, well, I'm assuming the contracts are up on mainnet. Uh, when is the actual project up and running? No clue. Okay. All right. Let's go to our friend, Anthony Sasano, yeah. the Daily Gway. So uh, Anthony is a repeat guest and visitor. What's Anthony doing? Yeah, so he's always on the Daily Gui, which is a daily newsletter, which talks about like the subject of the day and kind of distills and analyzes it for you. Anthony is like into the source code of Ethereum, both on a technical level and on a media level. And so when he uh, analyzes something, it's, it's almost always the correct take. It's always the correct take. I've never seen a bad take out of Anthony. He's doubling down on the Daily Gui ecosystem. He's going to do daily video recaps. He's going to build uh, tutorials. Uh, he's just really into the idea of like capturing all the people that come into this space confused and then educating them. And so I think that's going to be a really valuable thing for the Ethereum community and then the Ethereum ecosystem. We need more knowledge people. We need more people spreading out knowledge. And Anthony's, I'm sure Anthony's going to do a great job with that. Absolutely. Friend of Bankless. If you like Bankless, you're going to like Anthony's stuff. So uh, connect with the Daily Gui. All right. This DeFi database, I'll just, I'll just mention it. Great resource that someone came up with, but there are uh, hundreds of projects mm-hmm. in here. If yep. you're looking for a project, just an index of, of some project you've heard of, we don't know the link, you, we will include a link to the DeFi database in the show notes. You can click here, you can find a project. It is astounding, David, to see mm-hmm. the, the vast number of DeFi projects yeah. that have just seemingly popped out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like I can't keep track of them. You know, like it's impossible right. for us to keep track of them at this point in time. Pretty amazing stuff. 
You want to really, tell really us glad about... that that effort is happening before the bull market. So yeah, that's right. a really useful website. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. You want to tell us about Slingshot? Yeah, Slingshot is the rebrand from Dex Ag coming out of the Concourse Open team. That's uh, Scott Lewis over at DeFi Pulse. Really just big friend of Ethereum, big friend of DeFi. Uh, and I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, this Slingshot. There's a Dex Ag for those that haven't used it. It's like a Dex aggregator. Uh, and they're, they're, like I said, they're rebranding to Slingshot. I'm assuming that there's going to be some spiffy new features coming out of this release. Check them out at slingshot.finance. It's a pretty spiffy looking website. And it's kind of a UX or, or brand identity entity that I think is like really cutting edge and I think would be really attractive to all these new people who are trying to come into this uh, sci-fi world of, of uh, DeFi. So nice job, Scott and, and Chad and everyone at Concourse Open. I love the branding and Slingshot guys just raised a whole bunch of money. So I think they're putting it into this. It's going to be like uh, one inch if you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. um, it will be like that maybe with some enhancements too. pretty exciting stuff. Hey, last thing we got to touch on just on the releases side is of course proof of stake is released. But the question on everyone's mind is, why the heck did it take so long? Our friend Jeff Coleman put together a fantastic tweet thread on this. But what's the TLDR on this tweet thread, David? Yeah, the TLDR is that proof of stake is hard. And the reason why it's taken so long is because Ethereum didn't cut any corners. It did it right. It did it methodically. It didn't rush anything. The whole like move fast and break thing ethos of Ethereum is totally just wrong. Uh, and, <laughs> and so like Jeff Coleman kind of gives the historical account of just like the process of developing proof of stake Ethereum. If you are just, and the reason why we're talking about this right now is just, it's a really good resource to get up to speed with what happened over the last three years in proof of stake. So if you just want to know a little bit about the history of Ethereum, uh, Jeff Coleman uh, summarizes this really, really well in this thread. I'm involved in other ecosystems too, and uh, other chains that have talked about proof of stake for a pretty long time. But what Je the, like the money line here is basically all of these other proof of stake chains are doing something that's more akin to delegated proof of stake, right? right? Yeah. So this is not like delegated proof of stake is not anything new. Yeah. You have a small group of permission validators. Right. ETH2 is doing something completely different. It's launching with already 16,000 validators. That's never been done before in these, in these numbers. So yeah. doing proof of stake is easy. Doing it in a decentralized way which is what Ethereum is trying to accomplish. Very hard. That's why it took so long. But we're here now, right, right. at the very beginning. Exciting stuff. Because uh, of the efforts that, that Jeff is talking about, we all get to stake at home. And that's, that's why we get to say on the Bankless program, it's your patriotic duty to stake. You don't have that duty in delegated proof of stake. That's not a thing. No, you can just outsource that duty to someone else. All right, let's talk news. News is always exciting these days. Let's mm -hmm. start with uh, BlackRock CIO. So BlackRock, for people who don't know, manages $8 trillion in assets. They just manage like all the world's assets. There's a few <laughs> other renaissance technologies. We, we, we talked to Nick Carter about this. Mm -hmm. But the CIO, something you would have never heard in 2017, that's why this bull run is different, mm -hmm. just said Bitcoin will take the place of gold to a large extent. Bitcoin will mm -hmm. take the place of gold to a large extent. Can you imagine that right. in like 2015 or even yeah. 2017? This is crazy. Yeah. Uh, and this is just indicative of Bitcoin is just becoming more mature, more financialized, much more, more of an accepted asset. Like people that thought it was rat poison in 2017 are starting to come around to it in 2020. And again, like the 2020 was a year that kind of blindsided everyone. And so I actually think as a, just an ability to be adopted, the threshold for adopting Bitcoin is just lower. Like, you know, it's 2020, like all bets are off. 
Yep, absolutely. All right. So something else that's happening, we always talk about this is a recurring theme of mm -hmm. uh, government in crypto. Coinbase, right. a crypto bank, as we call them, is suspending all margin trading operation tomorrow. This feels like it's to get on the good side of the CFTC, right? right? Like, what's your take on this, this action? They, they just recently opened margin trading. Mm -hmm. Now the bull runs here and they're closing it. Why else would they be doing this? Yeah, Coinbase wants to offend the nation state, not at all. It, it does everything, <laughs> crosses, crosses all the T's, dots all the I's. So when, when the regulators come and say something, Coinbase follows. Uh, and this is just the burden and, uh, of, of uh, crypto banks, of leg legacy institutions. Uh, and this is not something that you would see on DeFi. This is the opposite of DeFi. So let it be known that you know, margin trading on DeFi is up and running and margin trading on all crypto banks or, or, or USA crypto banks have been paused. Right. And so if you want to margin trade your Bitcoin, you've got to come to a DeFi or go to some offshore exchange. Absolutely. It, it always is the case that if you present some surface area as a centralized crypto bank does, you're going to have to interact with regulators. And this is the case, by the way, I don't think it's all bad that Coinbase plus uh, regulators are interacting. They do a lot of work on the lobby side mm -hmm. of things to push the nation state in favor of crypto. Totally. So that is definitely a, a benefit. And I think Brian Armstrong and team are doing some good work here. Here's another maybe outcome of some of that crypto industry pushing mm -hmm. in. The U.S. Office of the Comptroller of Currency just proposed a rule prohibiting large banks from something they've been doing for a very long time through regulators, which is basically disfavoring certain industries. Right. So if you are, uh, say, in the marijuana industry, you can't open a bank account, yeah. for instance. If you're in crypto, I've gotten kicked out of um, crypto, like banks. Mm -hmm. I've gotten kicked out of banks. Right. Bank of America sent me a Dear John letter one time because I had a, tra uh, a um, transfer from Coinbase to my B of A account. They just shut me down. They just said, uh, we don't do anything with right. crypto. Sorry, yeah. see you later. Mm -hmm. And Office of Comptroller saying, sorry, you can't do that anymore. Everyone has an opportunity. There, there should be no disfavored industries. What's your take here? Yeah, this is really good, I think, just for society. Like, if you are in a legal but perhaps um, uh, stigmatized industry, banks still have to serve you regardless of the stigma. And we ran into this at Realty where PayPal kicked us off the platform uh, for, I mean, they didn't actually say why, but like the reason's obvious because we're doing stuff in crypto. Uh, and that, that's just like, that's just BS. Like no, the, the marijuana industry, like you said, the crypto industry, like the, the hell, the porn industry, like all these things are like stigmatized, but should be offering banking services. So this is actually something that is like, nice job, nation state, like you got it right. Good job. This is Coinbase's influence too. I mean, they are is getting it? people like this. I think like this industry, they're getting people like this in these positions where they can do things like that. Okay. The, um, the long-term, the implications of this is that new companies, new startups can access banking services, which is really important. It's really bullish on innovation in the space. Absolutely. The banks are also, this is our next uh, news item here. The banks are also entering ETH staking apparently. So Bitcoin Suisse mm -hmm. is depositing almost 100 ETH 100k ETH, 100,000 ETH into ETH 2.0. They've they've already done that. I I, I believe almost right. all of it at this point in time. What's your what's your take there? My my take here is this this is just in, indicative of the gargantuan industry that centralized staking as a service providers will be. That is going to be a massive industry. There's just the 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 demand to just charge fees on staking is just going to be so high. Um, so you know competition is good for the consumer.
it's interesting because it's it's not something you can do with your Bitcoin. You can't turn it into a nope. an internet bond. Um, so this it's, is definitely going to be like a big industry. <laughs> the entire industry is based around solely Ether, the asset. We're going to include a link to, I think, what was uh, Staking Rewards put this out. It's a super useful table so you can get a sense as a consumer of what the end destination options are going to be to stake your ETH, right? Mm -hmm. The top is these custodians and exchanges. That's the crypto bank option, but that's only like one of you know six different options here. You could also do a lending platform. We talked to Liquid Stake about that. We are super bullish about staking pools, particularly ones like Rocket Pool that aim to be decentralized. Also, there's Validator as a service solution where you're just paying for infrastructure, but you're not giving up your private keys. That's a fantastic option as well. Um, there are pre-configured validator nodes, hardware. We wrote a guide on the best hardware that you can buy, like DAP node and um, Avado. You can just buy it in a box and stake from home. And then, of course, you can run your own validator nodes in the cloud. So just because the crypto banks want a piece of this doesn't mean you as a consumer aren't going to have this slew of options right. available, mm -hmm. which is super exciting because I do think we're going to see a mix of both centralized and decentralized people running in like big data centers and people running from home staking providers is something you don't see in these other proof of stake networks. Yep. Yep. David, you ready yeah. to I mean, talk about what's on your mind? I, I've got stuff on my mind. Looking for the front page of DeFi, look no further than Zerion.io. Zerion is your home base for managing your DeFi portfolios. Zerion offers a central place for you to engage with all of the DeFi protocols and assets that you engage with on a daily basis, but all in one central spot. Here you can see I've loaded up a wallet and Zerion is giving me the portfolio performance of all the assets in this wallet over time, as well as a breakdown of all the assets that I own, as well as all of my transaction history that I've ever done in an easy to view fashion. Zerion also lets you invest right into DeFi's best yielding financial opportunities right from their homepage. Zerion also makes it super easy to access interest in DeFi using applications like Compound and Aave in the background. And you can also exchange your assets using the Zerion app using an exchange aggregator in the background to make sure that you always get the best rates. You can even use the Zerion mobile wallet to add your MetaMask or Argent or another Ethereum address right into your mobile wallet so you can see your portfolio and engage in DeFi on the go. Here I just loaded up my Argent wallet and now I'm going to load up my MetaMask as well. And Zerion will do the same thing. It will add all of my assets and wallets together all in one space and give me a portfolio summary of what's going on. Adding wallets is trivially easy. If you already have a MetaMask, you can get it right into the Zerion app and it can sync with your desktop app as well. And the best part is you can also buy Ether right into the app itself. Use the invest tab to look at all the things that you have invested in as well as other opportunities. And coming soon to the Zerion app is the ability to buy and sell your assets straight from your mobile device as well. So download the app. It works on iOS and Android. Go to Zerion.io, plug in your wallets and get a historical report of your portfolio over time, as well as a comprehensive breakdown of all the assets that you own and how much yield they're generating for you. We're also brought to you by Monolith. Monolith is your cool new DeFi account, your DeFi savings account, your DeFi checking account. Except the cool thing about the Monolith DeFi account is that it gets software updates, right? You actually get to increase the usefulness of this over time. So here are some of the features. Monolith is a smart contract wallet with a lot of the features that you would expect if you've come to know 
DeFi and what it is, you can you can add money to it. You can put that money to work uh, in Compound and, and accessing yield. Uh, but you can and you can also swap through Uniswap. What was cool with Monolith is that they will send you a very sexy Monolith Visa card that connects to your smart monolith smart contract wallet on ethereum so it's a really awesome tool to live a bankless life with a a, a savings account that gets software updates so this is, this is something that you're never going to find out in the real world but you can still do real world things with you know real money in, like buy your groceries so that's just fantastic coming soon to monolith actually already here to monolith is now you can buy die and get it sent to your wallet directly right so it's also being an on-ramp so you don't have to go through your centralized exchange like coinbase or gemini or wherever you can just go straight from your bank account right into your monolith checking account smart contract wallet so check them out at monolith.xyz i've got stuff on my mind all right what's on your mind so the theme i guess of this week is that uh that this bull market is different right um this bull market is new there are new dynamics there are new things to consider uh one of those new things is is ethereum media also bankless like mainly bankless bankless wasn't here last bull run like we're putting out like three or four videos a day like a, two podcasts a week like we have a daily newsletter none of that was here in 2017 and like when i was getting into ethereum learning was hard like that was a hard thing to do uh, and like not, not only with Bankless, but with Anthony's Daily Gway and ETH Hub, both of those things weren't around in 2017. Uh, DeFi Dad's Yield TV, not around in 2017. Like Ethereum Media wasn't around in 2017. Uh, and that would have been really useful for learning. And so I'm kind of uh, really optimistic and just excited to see like what happens when we have a bull market when Ethereum Media is a thing, right? And so listeners, Viewers, when people see a, a when, you, when you see a question, when your friend has a question, just know, like, remember how hard that was for you to get into crypto and do your duty and send them to this source that is helpful. Like people get, <laughs> people will get lost in the wrong rabbit hole in the wrong YouTuber. And then that's how they end up investing in XRP. Do us a favor, do your friends a favor, like send them to Bankless. We want them. We will, we will get them on the right path. We will nurture them on their journey. And uh, like David said, we're not stopping. We're just getting started here. So more content, more participation from the community. Uh, I'm super excited about that too, David. You're right. It was completely bleak. There was nothing, just a bunch of nothing. technical documents back in 2017 to wrap your mind around. We're trying to make this stuff easy. Remember white papers? <laughs> <laughs> too many white papers, too man. Many white papers. It was terrible. A terrible right, time in history. Ryan, what's on your mind? You know what? Uh, one thing that's on my mind is this bull market is just getting started. And I don't think retail is even here yet, right? So most of the, the, the price increase that we've seen uh, has just been, I think, this is my sense of things, bulls doubling down and yep. institutions getting in. Coinmetrics has a convincing article about this where they're sort of dissecting who holds the Bitcoin mm -hmm. and um, like how folks are entering the space. And they seem to indicate to you that retail hasn't even entered the party yet. So what happens when retail enters? Here's another, here's another graph from uh, Larry from The Block who is looking at um, <laughs> this indicator of retail mania. This is an indicator of, of weekly follows of Twitter accounts. And you can see over here in 2017, weekly follows of Twitter accounts for Binance and Coinbase were just off the charts. People are like, how do I get crypto? 
oh, like I'm going to follow Binance. I just opened an account completely off the charts. Mm -hmm. Right now what's happening, we're seeing price increase almost to all time high Bitcoin, massive price increase for ETH this week, but there's no Twitter activity right. following. It's pretty flat for Binance and Coinbase. I don't think retail has entered the game at all. I think this has mainly been institutional demand and current bull demand. So that all begs the question, David, what do you think is going to happen when retail enters yeah. the game? When, when retail is finally here, we are seeing signs of retail coming. Like the first people are starting to download TikTok because tokens are being shielded in TikTok right now. And I'm, I'm oh getting, God, I don't even know. Is there a, there's, there's a, TikTok to it? There's going to be, yeah, there's, 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 there's TikTok like investments, right? And oh so, so imagine what happens when you mix together Zoomers, TikTok, and illiquid shit coins that pump 100x. It, like sounds, it sounds terrible, to it be sounds, honest. It's, it's like, it's, that's what's ahead of us. Okay, should we be on TikTok? <laughs> we are not going on TikTok. We are not going on TikTok. Guys, Bankless Nation, you tell us if we should be on TikTok. And David and I, no. We'll get if, somebody if you, to go on TikTok. If you want to run the Bankless TikTok, let us know. <laughs> yes, please. All right. Oh, um, oh, you know, I've got another take too. Not only one, but two takes. You want okay. So this is about on-ramps and it's kind of Nick mm. Carter in our conversation with him earlier this week, sort of it, it, like inspired this. But the first I want to talk about two on-ramps. The first is institutional on-ramps, okay? Like think of on-ramps, the ability to move from liquidity from traditional fiat assets or stocks, mm -hmm. and those sorts of things that exist in legacy finance to, to crypto. That's like a pipe, right? And the pipe was like this. It was like this very small, very narrow in 2017, pipe. very narrow pipe. It was like a, you know, a 14K modem or something like that, right? It's mm -hmm. like we were, we were not, we didn't have broadband. Low but band. now the pipe has like 10X increased, right? So right. now we got a big pipe, a big a thick pipe. We got a floodgate, <laughs> right? And this is true in institutions. How do we know this? Like we talked to Nick about now we have futures, CME volumes mm -hmm. at all time high. These are regulated futures. Mm -hmm. We have options. Yep. We have crypto banks providing custody, right? So the mm -hmm. pipe to institutions is this much bigger. It's like, no wonder institutions like the CIO of, of BlackRock are becoming bullish because last cycle, they didn't want to be bullish on crypto because they couldn't buy any of it. Right. Like mm -hmm. these asset managers are smart. They're not going to start shilling an asset until they actually have a position in that asset. Right. Well, now they can get a position. That's why mm -hmm. you're hearing Paul Tudor Jones talk about it, not talk smack about it because he's owned some, right? <laughs> yeah. They're all bag holders just like us. Let's be mm -hmm. honest, okay? So that's the first pipe that's gotten bigger. You know, the second pipe that's gotten bigger, David, is, is the pipe to retail, which mm -hmm. hasn't even opened up yet. So yeah. here's what I see happening is FinTech is going to totally betray the banks, okay? And they're going to start building on crypto rails, right? Mm -hmm. If you take a look at these are the top five apps right now. Um, in fine in the finance category, I think this is like um, iTunes or something, right? I'm going to read this. Um, That's Cash App number one, PayPal app number two, Venmo app number three, Robinhood number four, Coinbase number five. Guess what they have in common, David Hoffman? They are all, if not now, then later, they are all onboarding ramps for crypto. All of them, every single one. So the only one that's not right now is Venmo and that's coming in Q1 yep. 2021, all right? So what happened here? These are all FinTech apps. FinTech mm -hmm. has spent the last 10 years completely optimizing user interface because like you go into your Wells Fargo account online, it sucks. It's a terrible mm -hmm. user interface. But you go into something like Venmo, hey, they have an app, it's super easy for friends. Robinhood, like it's an easy place to trade. It's very millennial friendly. The UX is fantastic. FinTech does that really well. Guess what? 
they've built on crypto banks so far on that, or excuse me, they've built on traditional banks so far on that infrastructure, but what's happening? They're slowly bifurcating. Mm -hmm. They're starting to enable pathways and bridges to crypto. Well, what happens when they completely abandon the traditional Mm -hmm. bank legacy infrastructure and they go, completely into into crypto i don't think the banks are ready for that but that's going to be the 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 team up of fintech plus crypto is going to eat the world fintech ux on top backed by crypto backend database money infrastructure DeFi protocols protocol sync thesis yeah you know, you know this image just bleeds protocol sync uh, thesis because after number five coinbase there's number six, Zell, number seven, Chase, and number eight, Capital One. Like huge losers to all the uh, companies that in- integrated crypto. Like, you know, no one, no one wants your stupid banking app. Give me the app that get, lets me buy crypto. Totally. It's inevitable. They're just falling into the trap. So it's playing out like uh, just as, you know, we might, we might predict. That's going to take time. That's not, but like, again, back to that bandwidth, the pipeline. So we saw the institutional pipeline, 10x. Mm-hmm. Well, the retail pipeline has has 10x and we're not even seeing it active right. yet, but I think we will sometime in this bull cycle. That, that's exactly right. And Nick Carter on our video with him on the Bankless YouTube, which everyone should go watch. He talks about all these different pipes that are built. And the important thing is, is the, the title of his piece was called Nine Bitcoin Metrics That Are At All Times Highs. Not only are the pipes built, but they're just being used at maximum capacity at the same time. So like, it's not, it's not just that the option is available. The option is available and being used. Well, I think they're being used, like they're being used at more capacity than they've ever been used, yep. but their capacity for even more is like increased, right? I think CME can do another 5X, another 10X uh-huh. at some oh, point. Uh, I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. What are you most excited about? Let's, let's spend the last uh, few minutes here, my friend. Keeping on theme, I am most excited about how unique that this bull market is going to be for Ethereum specifically. We've already talked about how like, you know, Ethereum media hasn't seen a bull market. Like that's, that's cool. So that's going to be new. But you know what else hasn't seen a bull market? DeFi. DeFi hasn't seen a bull market. Like MakerDAO, his contracts got deployed in Ethereum in December of 2017, which was the peak bull market. And only like 100 people started using MakerDAO. Uniswap didn't come around until 2018 or 19. Uh, Compound didn't come around until 2018. Aave wasn't a thing until 2019. Like the, the protocols that have all of the money in them that are responsible for that 14 billion locked in DeFi, none of them have seen a bull market. The, the number of $14 billion in DeFi, that number hasn't seen a bull market, right? We haven't seen a bull market with applications on Ethereum that collect capital, right? Last bull market, capital came in, bought some ICOs, tried to make some money, then they left. In this bull market, like we have sinks, we have, we have uh, basins for value to go to Ethereum and then collect at the bottom of these basins. And those basins are like Uniswap, like MakerDAO, things that attract capital. And then, uh, and then there's reasons to stay. There's reasons to settle on Ethereum, right? And so they're just going to get lured into the ecosystem and then they're going to stay there and then they're going to become bankless. And that's just, that's what I see ahead of us. And that's what gets me real riled up. It's all been entrapped this whole time. You know, uh, what, Ty- what Tyler Winklevoss tweeted right before we're recording here? Yeah, yeah, he tweeted. Uh, you know, go for it. Yeah, I'm going to read this quote. This Ethereum ETH bull run is different. You know, I got to notice, like, Tyler Winklevoss, one of the Winklevoss twins, of course, uh, he got a bit more bullish after, am I imagining things, or did he get more bullish after our show with him in June of this year? 
when we talked about DeFi and ETH. I don't know if this is a little bit like, I don't want to take credit for this tweet. We shouldn't take credit for his tweet, but let's also take credit for this tweet. I think we're taking credit (laughs) for it because that's exactly what we were hammering on in this week's State of the Nation. So I'm pretty sure Tyler Rinklevoss watched the the Ethereum side of the bullish part of the State of the Nation. Well, we know he is a listener. Tyler, if you are listening right now, nice tweet, my friend. We think it's different too. Keep him coming. Very exciting times. All right, Ryan, what are you excited about? You know, I'm excited about, I think this goes back to what you were saying, is uh, really the community coming together. Uh, people forget crypto, for all the, the self-sovereignty that we talk about, all of that's true, but crypto is not a single player game. Like we need a whole community to come around this. Almost everything that we do in crypto is, is social, from agreeing to consensus on what money that we use to um, like auditing DeFi contract protocols. And you know what we saw? in the last week is the crypto community coming together to really launch ETH2, right? Part of the, the social layer, the investors, kind of the, the meme layer, the media layer that you were talking about, but also the, the engineers and the developers and the brilliant people who actually uh, built this stuff and spent the last five years uh, thinking through a decentralized way to do proof of stake. So this is like the community coming together. And you know what, because it's Thanksgiving, David, I'm, I'm like thankful for that. Like that's the one thing about crypto that I am most thankful for. I'm, I'm thankful also for people in the community who helped me along the journey. So today, six years ago today is when I first, like I'd heard about Bitcoin, I'd heard about crypto, but this is when I first jumped down the rabbit hole. I had some extra time, it's like, like holidays, right? And like you're hanging with your family, but like you're, you know, pursuing your hobbies. And I, I read stuff from Andreas. I watched his talks. I watched some documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, I started getting to Chris Berninski. I mean, these are folks who left a breadcrumb trail for me. And um, I just want to like, thanks. Like, thanks for doing that, guys. Right. Like, thanks, Andreas. Thanks, Chris Berninski, a close personal friend of mine, Jeff. He was running Miners in his basement. He told me about this weird crypto thing. Mm-hmm. And those people set me off on this journey. And right. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for this community and I'm thankful for that. Are, who are you thankful for? Do you, do you have anybody that you're like really inspired you to start? Yeah, I, I guess I have to give a tip of my hat to um, Carl Flourish, who he didn't, he didn't, um, he was somebody I discovered after discovering crypto. I, I kind of discovered crypto on my own, but one of the first people I discovered that was truly helpful for me was Carl Flourish and his uh, cryptoeconomics.study uh, website. That's when I, when I was like battling with, between like, do I go off to physical therapy school and, or do I like figure out how to get a job in Ethereum? Uh, it, was, it, it was just the ethos and energy and vibes that Carl Flourish exuded that I, th- uh, that I thought he was just representative of Ethereum at large. And so um, I haven't, actually haven't spoken to him about this, but he's like one of my big inspirations for like, you know, Ethereum as a culture, I resonate with. And Ethereum as a technology, I also resonate with. And I see that represented by Carl. Uh, so Carl, thanks. We got to get Carl on the show. Talk yeah. about optimism. That's what he's working on right yep. now. And he is an optimistic fellow. That Definitely. is for sure. Lots of energy. Awesome. All right, David, uh, we, we've taken a little bit of time over, but I think that is it. Oh, last thing I'm excited about is Black Friday deals. Maybe we'll see a few in crypto, but we've got the ledger deal going on right now. 40% off a ledger. And I like that shirt you're wearing, David. 
What's that? Yeah, that? That feels like it's going to Black Friday deal too. Tell us about that. that. Is, the the BAP Zero shirt, the the sale period, whatever we're calling the sale period, wraps up the day after Thanksgiving. So for those who don't know what we're talking about, there's a balancer pool that is a weighted between die and this token called BAP, BAP Zero, BAP Bankless Apparel Season Zero. You purchase the token, you burn the token, you get a sick t-shirt, the one I'm wearing right now. Uh, and the cool, cool thing about this balancer pool was that over a one month long period, the weights changed. And so it started heavyweight BAP token, lightweight die, and then it flipped. And that's a kind of like a revert, uh, reverse Dutch auction. So price goes down over time. It goes up when people sell, uh, up when people buy, down when people sell like Uniswap. And a day after tomorrow, day after Thanksgiving is the last day prices changed. And so it turns into a fixed 90-10 Uniswap type pool. Uh, and so if you are interested in buying BAPs, uh, know that the, the prices stop changing the day after Thanksgiving. And they've never been cheaper. I don't know. $383 right now. They've been a little Okay, so they went up. Okay, so I saw them drop below 200, but you got to keep monitoring that, guys. Um, All right, that's it. Everyone, happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the time with your family if you guys are are doing that. And of course, if they ask about crypto, you know what to say. You know where to send them. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You, listener, you are bringing up crypto. (laughs) <laughs> you are bringing it up. That is your duty. That is the action item that we are leaving you with. Bring up Ethereum. Bring up the crypto culture. Uh, people, people need to be informed. Yeah, it's a at revolution. Least uh, at least we're, uh, you know, your T-shirt or something. Bankless tea. Yeah. Right? Like, get them to ask. You know, make it subtle. Whatever you, whatever your style is, <laughs> guys. Thanks so much for joining us for the weekly roll up. Uh, this has been a blast. Risks and disclaimers. None of this is financial advice. ETH, DeFi, Bitcoin, they're all super risky, but we are glad you're with us. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but thanks for joining us.